The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And here we are, PFTPM, Monday edition, the day after Tom Brady's return to Foxborough, if you weren't aware that that had happened. I still get a kick out of the question. Would you care to discuss the conversation you had with Tom, uh, with Bill Belichick? Yeah, sure. It was personal. I'm not going to discuss it. Oh, thank you for that. Very insightful explanation of your interaction with Bill Belichick. Shereen Williams and I will interact over the course of the next hour as we reflect on the fourth Sunday. Yes, already there have been four of them. The only good thing about 17 games, Shereen, is maybe we will stop with that quarter poll talk that we've had every year with 16 games. I hate it because it's inaccurate. Quarter poll means you got a quarter of the race left to go, not a quarter of the race in. With 17 games, there's no time to do it. They'd have to stop like, I don't know, midway through the second quarter of the fifth game to really make it the quarter poll. So hopefully, I just thought of that. This isn't a bit, as you can tell by the quality of it. Hopefully the quarter poll stuff is over. No quarter polls anymore with 17 games. And I still have a hard time, Mike. I don't know about you, but thinking of a season in terms of 17 games, it's still hard for me. I have to literally think hard. Okay, it's not 16 games anymore. It's 17 games. But long way to go in this season yet. Well, and the problem is the math. And my math skills, yeah. you may be amazed to know that once upon a time, I was actually very good at math. And then I was introduced to calculus in college. And my oh, brain yeah. rebelled. Exactly. The revenge of my brain, yes. combined with maybe a few brain cells that were destroyed during that time frame, actually caused my math <laughs> skills to erode. It was like, okay, that's it. You've pushed it too far. You've flown too close to the sun on wings of pastrami. The math is going the other way. But still, like, okay, four games have been played. How many are left? You have to, I have to stop and think about it. It used to be automatic. And now it's yeah. like, okay, we've got 13 left. And now, and now we're going to start to sprinkle in buys, and that's going to screw everything up. Yeah, well, and your math skills are probably better than my math skills because I never was good at math, and the calculus, as you said, when I got to college, really screwed it up. So I have no math skills. I pull out my phone and pull the calculator in there, and it probably runs out my battery. It's probably why my battery dies all the time. I had a nun that was one of my teachers in, in high school who would get upset Anytime anyone used a calculator, because if you start using a calculator to erode your math skills, but you know what? Well, that's why we have them. Calculators used to be really expensive. They give them away now when you open a checking account. They can't give them away. There's so many of them floating around, and they're everywhere you go with your phone. All right, uh, on to things that are actually relevant to the world of football. The Buccaneers beat the Patriots last night, if you haven't heard, 19-17. to 17. What's your big-picture takeaway? Well, the Bucks got it done. I don't know if it was any more than that, Mike. I didn't think it was a very good game, but Brady did what Brady had to do to win the game. I think it was unfortunate for his part and for the Bucks' part that he didn't throw a touchdown pass. Antonio Bryant, Brown obviously dropped the one that he should have caught in the end zone, and that would have given Brady his touchdown. But it wasn't a very exciting game, and I don't think it lived up to the expectations I had for the game. And frankly, I was very impressed with Mac Jones and the way he handled the whole situation. Those 19 straight completions that he had at one point, it was the most by a rookie quarterback in, in 40 years. I thought he played terrific considering the, the circumstances. But Brady got it done in the end, just like Brady usually does. Uh, he always almost wins after a loss, and it's not surprising that he won this one, Mike. The two things that still bother me, and I haven't written about either of them yet. We spoke about them today on PFT Live. I'm going to mention them now. I just really wanted to have time to let it process. I don't understand, and I think you agree with me. You articulated similar thoughts on Twitter. I don't understand why Bill Belichick kicked a 56-yard yes. field goal in the range, which would have matched the career long for Nick Folk. And as Chris Collinsworth pointed out, every time Folk lined up to kick, he's got an issue with his plant leg. 
I mean, th- that was a difficult kick. That's 56 yards. And I know that 40 yards used to be a big deal when we were kids, and then 50 yards was a big deal, and now I guess 60 yards is a big deal. 56 is still a long kick. And even if it goes through, you've given Tom Brady 50 seconds yep. to do what Aaron Rodgers did last week to the, to the 49ers on behalf of the Packers. And I don't know if Belichick was kind of hoping for one final showdown I don't know what the deal was. I just am stunned, Shireen, that they didn't go for it on fourth and three. I don't care what their conversion rate was for the night on third down, fourth down, whatever. It's fourth down and three yards. You take your chances there. And if you convert, number one, the field goal is closer. Number two, you take more time off the clock. Number three, maybe you have a walk-off game winner instead of the outcome that we got. I thought going for it on fourth down was their best opportunity to win. They would have 55 seconds and one timeout left. You figure they start at the 25. They don't need that many yards. Now, I know Ryan Suckup admits the field goal earlier in the game, but he kicked the one against the Cowboys on the last play to win the game. The chances are they would have gotten him close enough to probably kick that field goal. So I don't care that Nick Foltz's field goal was long enough. It just hit that upright. I still feel like the Patriots would have lost that game had Nick Folk even made that field goal. Their best opportunity to win was to go for it. It's, it's what the Ravens did against the Chiefs, right? When they beat the Chiefs, that's what Great the Patriots point. should have done, and they Great didn't point. do it. Great point. The number one factor on the analytics chart for that situation, don't give the ball back to Tom Brady with enough time to get you because he will. You're asking for it. He just got you, and he left too much time (laughs) on the clock to give you the opportunity that you had. That's the other thing that bothers me. I feel like he was so determined to let A.B. have an F.U. touchdown for Bill Belichick that – he lost sight of what he should have done. And I know, well, okay, you know, they're taking the shot because Jonathan Jones was a cramp. Well, okay, get the first down. Take advantage of the yeah. shot that he's cramping and do a stop. Uh, do something. Do a button hook. Do a slant. Get the first down. Keep the clock moving. Move the chains closer. Make the field goal closer. And give the Patriots less time to do what they did. Twice Brady went to the end zone. To Antonio Brown. The first time, Brown just didn't see the ball. I thought it was a touchdown. As soon as Brady let it go, I was like, well, oh, my God, there's the A-B touchdown that I think Brady was determined to let him score. And then he went back to it again. The first time, I'm fine with it. The second time, I had a problem with it because I think their better play was get the first down, work the clock, make the field goal closer, and leave the Patriots not enough time to, to drive down and score. There's not many times that we question Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and there's not many times, maybe a handful, that we've questioned both of them in a game. We're questioning both of them today, and they're legitimate questions because I agree with you. I think the Buccaneers should have gotten the first down. They would have been, again, closer for that field goal after Ryan Suckup had already missed a field goal earlier in the game. They could have run out the clock, and the Patriots would have had no time. Instead, they trusted their defense to eventually do what they did, but I would not have trusted that defense, especially my cornerbacks with them all on the sideline or back in Tampa. I have these cornerbacks out there, a guy who hadn't played in forever, hadn't even practiced three times before he got out there. I would not have trusted that defense if I was the Buccaneers. But I guess they thought, hey, if Patriots kick a field goal, we'll have time to go down and kick another field goal to win it. And as it turns out, the Bucs were right. They did win the game. But we're questioning both of them, and I think they're legitimate questions for both of those teams. When the field goal attempt by Nick Folk from 56 hit the upright, my reaction was, okay, what now? Wait, that's it? It can't be over. It yeah, can't be over. Right. Wasn't that one of those games where you just wanted it to keep going? Yeah. Yeah, you wanted an ending. You wanted an ending. That wasn't a good ending at all, which is why I said I didn't think it was a very good game. If, yeah. if the Patriots had made it and the Bucks had gone back down, led by Brady, that would have been a much better ending. Well, it's highly unlikely we'll see Belichick and Brady square off again. They aren't due to play for four more years. The 17th game 
not the final game, but the extra game that was adopted this year creates an opportunity to get together again. There's a formula, there's a rotation within the normal rotation of playing all teams from a given division once every four years. Plus, they could meet in the Super Bowl. Plus, Tom Brady could go play for somebody else. I'm still not ruling that out. I'm really not. Because he has mentioned in the past that he's got two years left on his contract, and then he'll figure out what to do after that. Now, at some point after saying that, he said, I want to stay in Tampa a long time, but along the way he also said 90% of what he says is BS, so who knows what to believe. I don't rule out the possibility of Tom Brady calling his shot in 2023 based upon where the Bucks roster is, based upon whether or not there's another team out there that is a Tom Brady away from trying to win a Super Bowl. And wouldn't that be the ultimate capper to go to a third team? And win a Super Bowl with that organization, too. So maybe we'll see Belichick and Brady together again somewhere before they're, they're both done. All right, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy that the 49ers decided to stick with last year in lieu of welcoming Brady home and who is the starter for now, is injured. He was expected to go and undergo excuse me, an MRI on his calf today. Here's Jimmy Garoppolo from yesterday after the game talking about the calf injury that took everyone by surprise when we found out about it by virtue of the fact that Trey Lance ran out onto the field to play quarterback for the 49ers at the start of the third quarter. Happened in the first series. Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened. Tweaked the calf. Uh, it hurt initially. I, I thought I could keep trying, keep trying to go and just kept getting worse and worse. Traveling down to the Achilles a little bit, but uh, we'll get more information tomorrow with the MRI and everything. Hopefully, you know, hoping for the best right now. Yeah, it, it sucked. I mean, just in between series, I could feel it tightening up and everything. Thought I could gut it out. I uh, tried to for the first half, but yeah, it's just tough, man. I don't know. Been in this situation too many times, and it's getting real old, you know, so it's just one of those things that uh, part of the business, though. Oh, the body language experts focusing on that last part, touching the face, been in this situation a few times. It's getting old. Yes, it is. That's why they traded up in the draft. It's getting old for them because quarterbacks have to stay healthy. Best. I hate this cliche, but it's appropriate. That's that's one of the reasons why cliches become cliche because they're so damn accurate. The best ability is availability, and he's not available. And, Shereen, I'm a firm believer that this – confusion or whatever it is this method to the madness that is the quarterback situation in san francisco the 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 simplest explanation i believe is jimmy didn't like the quarterback rotation thing the drew Brees Taysom hill approach that we saw in week one the locker room is still behind jimmy g because trey lance hasn't won over the locker room so kyle shanahan decided we're gonna ride with jimmy g until he gets injured because history tells us he will when he does then it's trey lance and then that's his chance to win over the locker room and if he does it's, it's exactly what Colin Kaepernick did when Alex Smith got a concussion in 2012. Kaepernick came in, proved himself. That was it. It was never a thought after that. I wonder if that'll happen. If it happens, it's going to be because Lance proves that he's good enough to do the job. Or Justin Herbert last year, Mike, same thing happened. Tyrod Taylor had took the needle to the lung, and next thing we know, Justin Herbert's in there and proved that he was a starter, and Tyrod Taylor left for Houston in the offseason, never got his job back. So, Trey Lance now has an opportunity, but Mike, the most interesting stat, and they put up the graphic there, but five seasons, Jimmy Garoppolo has entered week one as the starter. He got hurt before the fourth game in four of those seasons. If you remember back, even the Patriots year when Brady was suspended, he started out the season as a starter there and hurt his shoulder, went out that year, and then he's had the three other injuries now that have kept him out of games for the 49ers, which is why the 49ers, as you said, traded up to get Trey Lance. So Trey Lance now has his opportunity to win the job. If he doesn't winning, win it, that means the 49ers aren't winning, and they may be out of it by the time Jimmy Garoppolo gets back. Who knows how long that's going to be. And maybe they just say, forget it at this point. We're so far behind the Cardinals. We're not going to win the division. Let's just let Trey Lance get experience and move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. The game this weekend is critical because it is the Cardinals. The 49ers are going to play them there in what was San Francisco's home away from home last year. Remember, they spent a bunch of the season playing out of Arizona when Santa Clara got rid of all outdoor events due to the pandemic. And it's a bye week after the Arizona game. Then the Colts and the Bears back-to-back weekends for the 49ers 
before another game against the Cardinals. We'll learn a lot about Trey Lance, assuming Jimmy Garoppolo misses at least a game or two. This game this Sunday is key. And I, look, Trey Lance was good enough yesterday, 9 for 18. That's not a ridiculously strong completion percentage. He had 157 passing yards, two touchdowns, including a long one of 76 yards to Debo Samuel, 41 yards rushing on seven attempts. But that was based on the, all right, go ahead, you're in, you're up. That wasn't based on having an opportunity of a full week to get ready. That's what he'll have this week, assuming Garoppolo misses at least one game. And then we'll see what he can do. And you mentioned Herbert, and that's a great comparison, but the difference is this. There was never an expectation that Herbert was going to be the starter last year. Anthony Lynn made that clear over and over again. And the extra pressure wasn't on Herbert that is on Lance by virtue of the fact that the 49ers traded up and it was such a big deal for a month. That mystery, what are they going to do? It puts more pressure on Trey Lance when he finally gets a chance to play, Shereen. It sure does, Mike. And he only took seven snaps those first three weeks. He got a bunch of snaps yesterday, played the entire second half. He's really struggled with consistency whenever he's been in there. Same thing in the preseason. But you're right, he's going to get all the snaps in practice this week, and the game plan is going to be tailored toward him. And on top of that, Mike, maybe it gives him a little bit of advantage with him at quarterback simply because the Cardinals aren't going to have that much film to watch of Trey Lance like they would Jimmy Garoppolo. They've never faced him before. Maybe that gives them a little bit of an edge just because it's Trey Lance and not Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I don't give him a big chance to win this game regardless of who's in there. But one more thing, Mike, you have to wonder about the 49ers and their injuries. They had so many injuries last year. They've had so many injuries this year. There's concerns now, not just with Garoppolo, but with Trent Williams, with his right shoulder, with Robbie Gold, with his right groin. They had all those injuries last year. I don't know what's going on in San Francisco, but they need to figure out why they've had so many injuries over the last two years. At a certain point, you have to take a look at the infrastructure that you have in place as it relates to nutrition, flexibility, weightlifting, training, all of the things that go into making a person ready to go onto a field and play football. Because I still vividly recall the years I sat sitting next to Rodney Harrison, and one of his great skills, and he has many, is to watch nine football games at once and spot the potentially serious (laughs) knee injury as it happens. And he would slam his hand into my chest and say look at that and you'd watch it and it's like oh that guy's not getting up and nine times out of ten he springs right up so you know we hear about Tom Brady and the whole pliability thing that there is value in having the right systems in place to make sure people are flexible the right right warm-up routines the right food the right rest the right everything so when you get yourself in a physically compromising position when that, that leg goes in a direction it shouldn't, nothing inside gives out. And at a certain point, you have to say, what are they doing wrong? And I've, I remember the Seahawks had an issue like that. The Chargers had issues like that. That, that, that. that red eye moves around the league from time to time, and sometimes it's just the result of not having the right, the right processes in place to keep your guys healthy. So I think that's a legitimate point. Speaking of... Uh, issues with quarterback health. Matt Nagy talking about the situation in Chicago where Justin Fields was good enough yesterday to get the win. Then again, it was the Lions. Andy Dalton out. Will Andy Dalton be back? Let's hear from Nagy. When we work through this whole process, um, we got to see where Andy's at health-wise these next two days. That's important because like we said this whole time, you know, um, when Andy's healthy, right, when he's healthy, he's our starter. He's the one. Justin's the two. Nick's the three. So what's been great about this you know, the last couple of weeks is Justin's had the opportunity to, to play and get significant steps, and he's grown from it. So now we just got to see, like, where, where is Andy's health at? Um, honestly, the, the next two days will, will be revealing to us. And then once, once that happens and we get a feel for where he is, then we as coaches decide, okay, hey, where are we at right now? How do we feel he is percentage-wise, Andy, to be able to, to, uh, to go into that game as the starter? Justin Fields was 11 for 17, 209 yards, an interception, passer rating of 82.7, three rush attempts for nine yards. Looks like a couple of victory formations in there because he had a long of 11. But, uh, you know, good enough. Uh, progress, especially in comparison to what he did last week. But, you know, we'll see. It sounds like Matt Nagy is still locked into the idea that Andy Dalton is the starter when he's healthy. The question is, when is he healthy and 
I guess he could be healthy as soon as this week. The next two days, as he said, will tell us a lot. And it could be Dalton this weekend for the Bears. Well, they certainly had a better game plan for him, Mike, this week than they did last week. And now Matt Nagy's not calling the plays anymore, and perhaps that helped too. But nine sacks in his first start and one sack yesterday. Some of that's the product of the team they were playing. As you said, it was just the Lions. But I thought he made some progress in that game, and you see why they used a first-round draft pick on him. And I'm interested to see what's going to happen if, if when Andy Dalton comes back because if they can't win with Andy Dalton, it's going to create a quarterback controversy. I mean, they already have that, but even more so since Justin Fields won this game yesterday, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Bears at 2-2 two and two, in the thick of things in the NFC North where the Vikings are 1-3, and three, the Lions are 0-4, and, and the Packers have won three in a row. Denver Broncos are 3-1 and one after losing on Sunday to the Baltimore Ravens. Teddy Bridgewater has a concussion. We know this drill by now. It's been over 10 years that the return to play rules have been put in place. Once you're diagnosed, and sometimes there are issues with getting that diagnosis, once you have the diagnosis, you're out until you're cleared, both by team doctors and by an independent neurologist to practice and then to play. It's a progression. Shereen, I remember a time where it was kind of a presumption that if you had a concussion, you were going to miss a game. Now we see guys get back right away and uh, are able to play the following week. So we'll see if Teddy Bridgewater is able to go this weekend for the Broncos as they try to get back in the win column. Clearly the better option than Drew Locke. Locke had the chance to come in and play, and I know he got pressed into service without warning, but it's not like they have a quarterback controversy in Denver based upon what Locke was able to do yesterday against Baltimore. No, I had that game, Mike, so I watched it from start to finish, and uh, Vic Fangio hasn't ruled out Teddy Bridgewater yet, but, you know, Teddy's not going to be able to practice this week, so that's going to be a big deal, I think, that he's not going to be in there to practice if he does play, but he's obviously the better option at quarterback based on what we saw yesterday, and we know the Ravens' defense is pretty darn good, but Fangio's not happy with either one of the hits. Deontay Spencer happened to play before Teddy Bridgewater's hit, and both of them appeared to be illegal hits. Neither one was called. We'll see if either player gets fined. But he took a pretty good shot to the head in that game, and it was pretty obvious that he wasn't going to come back. And this is suddenly a huge game for the Broncos this weekend. They go to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers, who are increasingly desperate after losing their third in a row. They're 0-2 at home. I can't imagine a tougher spot for the Broncos to go prove themselves, but it'll be Bridgewater or it'll be Locke. We'll see what will happen. Now, one last issue coming out of that game on on <laughs> on, on Sunday. Uh, and, uh, Shereen, you, you have a long history. Let, let's just start here. You have a long history of covering the NFL. You've covered it longer than I have. I've been doing it for 20 years. I've been a fan of the NFL since I was a, a little boy. And... Uh, I first became a very ardent fan in the 1973 season. As it turns out, from 1974 through 1977, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were just 60 miles away from where I grew up, and they were the team everybody in town except me rooted for. In hindsight, I wish I had not been a contrarian on that point, or I would have had a much (laughs) more enjoyable childhood. They put together 43 straight games of 100 or more rushing yards. In all the years that I've followed and covered the NFL, I was not aware that was even a thing. I first became aware of it yesterday because the Ravens were at 42, and when they got the ball back with three seconds to play and needed a couple of yards to get the streak to 43, they decided to actually try to gain yardage instead of taking a knee and getting out of dodge. Now, I ask you, and and maybe you're going to surprise me here, were you even aware that that was a record, that that was a thing until yesterday? I was before yesterday, and perhaps it was just last week, but I had heard they were on this long streak with the 100 yards. So in the last couple of weeks, I heard, because they were closing in on the record. But before that, no. And its I don't want to call any kind of record a dumb record, but it seems like a dumb record to me. This I mean, is a dumb I, record. This is know. not DiMaggio's hitting streak. <laughs> This is, right. right. The, yeah. This is. I mean, yesterday we they had, don't stop the game. We had Tom Brady becoming the all-time career passing yard or passing yardage leader. We had Russell Wilson get to 100 wins faster yeah. than any other quarterback in league history. And there's that analytics mafia out there that will Andy say that's Reed. not a stat either. Well, too bad. We got Andy Reid get to 100 wins with two different teams. And this, 
which doesn't belong and why this <laughs> but it's given yeah. us some entertainment because we saw the video yeah. the sideline video Vic Fangio was pissed off about what the Ravens did here's a little back and forth here's Harbaugh yesterday John Harbaugh the coach of the Ravens talking about why he did what he did Vic Fangio saying what he had to say today and Harbaugh's response enjoy the next 90 seconds or so you know, that's one of those things that's meaningful, you know, and uh, it's, it's one of those things that I, th- I think as a head coach, you've got to be mindful of your team and your players and your coaches and what it means to them. It's, it's a very, very tough record to accomplish, and it's a long-term record. So um, I'm not going to say it's more important than, than winning the game for sure, and it's certainly not. But as a head coach, I think you do that for your players and you do that for your coaches, and it's something that they'll have for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I thought it was kind of bull, but I expected it from them. You know, I've... 37 years in pro ball, I've never seen anything like that. So, But it was to be expected, and we expected it. Why did you expect it from them? Because I just know how they operate. You know, they that's just their, uh, you know, mode of operation there. Player safety is secondary. I mean, I thought we were on good terms. We had a nice chat before the game. Uh, known each other for a long time, but I promise you, I'm not going to give that insult one second thought. That's uh, what's meaningful. What's meaningful to us might not be meaningful to them. Their concerns are definitely not our concerns. And uh, you know, we didn't expect to get the ball back. You know, but I'd already decided. We decided that if we got the ball back, we were going to try to get the yards. And we got it back with three seconds left. So you're throwing the ball in the end zone with 10 seconds left. I don't know that there's a 16-point touchdown that's going to be possible right there. So you know, that didn't have anything to do with winning the game. So like I said, what's meaningful to us might not be meaningful to them, and we're not going to concern ourselves with that. The question remains, how meaningful is it objectively? How much does anyone really care about this record? Fangio upset. A lot of bleeps if we had the audio of this. Bleepity bleep 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 bleepers <laughs> bleep bleepity was what Vic Fangio said yesterday. I, I, look, I, I wish there was a way to take a scientific poll of ardent football fans both across the league and of the Ravens. Do you really care about this? And, Shereen, I wonder how much of the fact that it was a Pittsburgh record that made the Ravens, and specifically John Harbaugh, more determined to try to get it. Yeah, you pointed that out in your post, Mike, and it was a great point that I hadn't even considered. But absolutely, I think that was a factor in this thing. And I get why Vic Fangio is mad, and I immediately texted you guys yesterday when when they did this with three seconds left. I was amazed that it was Lamar Jackson running the ball at the end of this game and fortunate that he didn't get laid out because if the Broncos probably had known they were going to run, they probably would have tried to lay him out on that last play. But I also get the Ravens' point of the Broncos called three timeouts. They put this up on their website. The Broncos called three timeouts in the final 30 seconds while trailing by 16 points. They said, hey, if you don't want us to get the record and run the ball in the last play, then keep the ball. Don't throw an interception in the end zone. So I get what they're saying, too. But I would not have risked Lamar Jackson there, Mike. But I'll say this, I love a good coaching rivalry, and I don't know that we've really had that here recently. This is fun. I I can't wait for these guys to play again. Absolutely. I hope they meet in the playoffs, and if not, I hope that the scheduling formula works out next year, that they'll play again. I only wish that they were in the same division, so we'd be guaranteed a rematch during the regular season. Uh, and, and, And look, when you're down 16 points, I don't know at what point you just give up and say, there's no possible way we're going to get the fluke touchdown two-pointer onside kick recover touchdown two-pointer and tie it up but the, it was a two-score game at some point in the last minute yogi berra's cliche takes over it ain't over till it's over and it's over at that point when a clock is running at some point it is over uh i just don't know at what point you say the hell with it especially when you have a backup quarterback who's getting some reps yeah. and you may need him next week but Set all that aside. When the Ravens get the ball back with three seconds left, I don't care what the Broncos did. I don't care about anything that preceded it. When you get the ball back with three seconds left and you're up 16 points, you take the knee and you get out of dodge and you don't expose anyone on either side of the ball to an unnecessary moment of contact that can result in an unnecessary injury. And I suspect, and I wish somebody had asked Harbaugh about this today, I suspect if he was asked about it, 
Do you wish you had put your backup quarterback in, or do you wish that the ball had gone to someone other than Lamar Jackson? He would say yes and yes if he were asked that question. I think that would be the answer. Lamar Jackson uh, came out of the game healthy, though. Good news for the Ravens. He still needs a second contract, and uh, he's exposed to risk continuously until he gets it. Another press conference that was eventful today, and let me just say this by way of background. The Urban Meyer social media explosion over the weekend with the videos and the photos, and Shereen can vouch for me on this. There's not much that I would expect her to vouch for me on, but she can vouch for me on this. I made it clear yesterday, we don't care about the Urban Meyer social media frenzy that everyone was all over. He was trending on Twitter on Sunday morning. We don't care about any of it until the Jaguars address it or Meyer addresses it. Can you vouch for me on that? That was our position. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And a good position. There was nothing illegal. There was nothing illegal, and it is what it is, and there's nothing football-related, and there was nothing particularly funny about it, and we don't, you know, I I know we get called a lot of things, but we're not going to resort to making something out of something that is barely anything, no matter how many other people are running with it and making it a big deal. However, Meyer addressed it today. Here he is at his press conference uh, being asked the question about what happened over the weekend. I just apologize to the team and staff and uh, for being a distraction. It's stupid. Uh, and so I explained everything that happened and owned it and, you know, just stupid. Uh, should not have myself in that kind of position. There's a big group next to our restaurant, and they wanted me to come over and take pictures, and I did. And, and they were trying to pull me out on the dance floor, screwing around, and I should have left. How did the team react? Well, I've always been so defensive of them. You know, I remember when Trevor told me he was going to go to Vegas for his bachelor party. I mean, I was just my gosh, man, be careful and surround yourself because I've seen this happen. And, uh, and I just – so the team, the team uh, I spoke to a bunch of leaders one-on-one, spoke to all the players. Uh, they're good. They were focused on Tennessee and – I apologized again for being a distraction. As Miles Simmons pointed out on Twitter today, Trevor Lawrence probably heard all that saying, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, time out. How did I get pulled into this? And, and uh, you know, his message was basically be careful when you're out there doing stuff that maybe you don't want to have recorded by cameras and phones. That, that, that's kind of what Meyer was saying. Not be careful and avoid doing things you shouldn't do. Just surround yourself with people that aren't going to take pictures of it and put it on social media. So there's multiple levels of stupidity here by Urban Meyer. Number one, doing what he did in and of itself, stupid. Number two, doing it out in the open. We're all big brother. We're all carrying it around. We can all capture anything and everything that we happen to see in plain view. So, yes, it was stupid, and it has to make some of the guys on the team wonder, what, what, what is up with this guy's judgment, Shereen? Yeah, nine-second video, Mike, and you just have to assume that there are cameras everywhere you go when you are a public figure. And guess what? When he's in Ohio, he is a public figure. Everyone knows who Urban Meyer is in Ohio, and he's going to stand out. You know what his slogan is for the Jaguars rebuild? He picked the slogan himself, it's own it. At least he did own that he was a distraction, and he would have been furious if one of his players was in the same situation that he put the team in of being a distraction. But he's found out quickly, Mike, from the hiring of Chris Doyle to to this, this isn't college football. You're in the NFL now. Everything gets blown up, and you better be on your P's and Q's and everything else going forward. He, He explained that he stayed behind in Ohio and didn't return to Jacksonville with the team so he could spend time with the grandkids. If only he had been spending time with the grandkids, <laughs> this may not have happened. Let's take a break. When we return, my conversation from Sunday with Patrick Mahomes after the Chiefs defeated the Philadelphia Eagles. You'll hear that next here on PFTPM. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. 
Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. How has being a father changed you? I think it uh, just kind of puts things in perspective. I mean, it's just, I mean, obviously you still love football and love being a part of this thing and love being in this building. Um, but at the same time, being able to get home and, and have her there, you just you, you get, you get excited again. And, uh, you really just don't take for granted just being around your loved ones and being around her and getting to see her grow every day. Yeah, you're right. There's no bad days when you have someone like that waiting for you at home. No matter how bad it is, it's always going to turn good when you get home. Hey, it's going to be good when you get home today after this one. What was different today for your offense in, in comparison to the past couple of weeks? I think it was just our, our attitude and our mindset. Uh, I think uh, we knew that, the, especially last week, but even the week before, we didn't execute to the level that we wanted to, especially at the end of the game. Um, and so we just kind of preached that throughout the week. It was finishing every drill. It was finishing every practice, finishing uh, the meeting room. And so when we got in the game today, even after I threw the, the, the dumb interception that I threw, I think guys stepped right back up and then we moved on, and, and we kind of made it happen. And uh, I thought that, I thought it was big of us to kind of do that uh, against a hostile environment against a good football team. Do you think that it was almost like a complacency that you guys have been so good late in games, you're so good at making plays, you just expect it to happen, and you lose sight of what it takes to make it happen. Is that possible? Yeah, I, think, I think it is a little bit. I think it's just kind of we we expect it to happen without even having to put in the work to, to kind of put ourselves in position to do that. Um, I mean, it comes with we've been able to do it. We've been able to rely on our kind of our uh, us just making plays happen um, and, and get making the, making things happen at the end of the game. But I think you see now is defense are going to make us drive the entire field. They're going to make us go down one by one and be be surgical as we kind of make these drives to kind of try to win games. Um, and I think uh, this week showed that we could do that, uh, especially when we ran the football. It shows that uh, we can, we, we're a more balanced offense. They can do everything. Was it the plan going in to feature Tyreek as much as you did? He had 11 catches, 186 yards, and three touchdowns. Yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think it, it was necessarily. I think we just kind of, we kind of put our guys in the best position to succeed. Um, obviously, we have played calls for, uh, for every single player on this offense. Um, and some weeks it's Tyreek, some weeks it's other guys, some weeks it's Travis. And I think this week it just showed that it was, it was Tyreek. And uh, uh, he did a great job of working with, within space. And then whenever we got our opportunities on the outside, he made the plays happen. Uh, I'm still, I still giving him a little bit of crap, though, because we should have had another touchdown, but he, he didn't convert his route and run the go ball whenever he got pressed man. So I, I had to give him a little bit of crap. He should have had about 300 yards. <laughs> the, the, uh, the touchdown pass you threw underhanded, how much of that was planned and how much of that just happened? That actually was planned. So uh, we, we we run a lot of those shovel passes. When we run them to, to to Travis, um, and so we had gotten kind of a feel of that. And so uh, without giving away too much, we were like, let's just run Travis by and take it to the running back and shovel it back to him. Um, and so uh, that's actually something that Travis made up out of all people. He, he kind of was like, let me be the kind of the decoy and get get it to Clyde. So it was it was designed like that. Travis kind of made it up, and then Coach Reed uh, made it work. And and you had intended to throw it underhanded. Yeah, I, was, I intended to pull it under hand, and uh, it was literally designed exactly the way it happened, and it worked for perfection. Is the behind-the-back pass still lurking? Well, uh, maybe if we start winning some football games, <laughs> it is a good start. But, uh, yeah, whenever you're winning a lot of football games and you're scoring a lot of points and, and have big margins, then you have chances to do some cool stuff like that. But as of right now, I'm trying to focus on looking at my receiver and uh, making the right throw. What's going to be your main fo- – and I know, look, you got to enjoy this one, but you got Buffalo next Sunday night. What's going to be your main focus when the Bills come to town? Yeah, it's going to be execution. I mean, you, you know, I mean, not even, I mean, our offense, obviously, and how, how they execute and how they were able to score points. And then now how good this, that defense has played. I mean, they, they've given up, I think it's, I mean, under, it's almost under, it's got to be under 30 points or something like that over the whole entire season. I mean, they're, they're, their defense is playing really good football right now. And so if we want to we want to win a game at home, at Arrowhead, uh, we're going to play our best football. And I think guys are ready to do that and we're ready for the challenge. I was trying to play off a big apple, and I couldn't think of anything good. And the thing that came to my mind first was hot trash. Oh, the hot trash cooled off a little bit this past weekend. The New York football teams that were combined 0-6 got a victory each, both in overtime on Sunday. The Jets beating the Titans. You know, once upon a time, the Jets were the Titans, and the Giants beating the the Saints in New Orleans' first home game with fans since 2019. Uh, that was something, Shereen. What a difference a week makes. So, 
Fill in the blanks. New York football is what this week? Better than last week, Mike, as Josh Alper pointed out in our text string at PFT. It was one of the best days in New York sports history in recent memory because the Giants won, the Jets won, and the Yankees clinched a wild card berth. So at least until tomorrow when the Yankees play the Red Sox, they have something to cheer about in New York. I remember somebody asked the question last week if the Giants could actually go 0-17, and I thought that was kind of ridiculous because it's not like the Giants were getting blown off the field. It was more amazing that the Jets won because the past two weeks – They had been blown off the field. They had looked awful against the Patriots and then last week against the Broncos when they were shut out. The league is not built for no scoring. That's what makes what the Bills have done with two shutouts this year more impressive, and it makes what happened to the Jets in Denver last week more depressing that they were unable to score a point. So both teams were impressive. New York football is back at least until this next weekend when it could go right back into the – pile of hot trash that it was before Sunday the Dallas Cowboys (laughs) what Shireen I'm gonna say they're contenders Mike they they look that way when you look at how they lost to the Bucs in week one and then they've won ever since then and they've beaten some quality teams in those wins they're second in offense they're 13 in defense and that defense has really been the difference you see what Trevon Diggs has done with those five interceptions that he he's had he had two more uh, yesterday, but they're, they have 10 turnovers and they're plus seven tied with Buffalo for the lead in, in takeaway ratio, uh, in turnover ratio. So they've done a really good job at taking the ball away and protecting the ball, which was hindered them last year at the start of the season when Ezekiel Elliott couldn't hold on to the football. They're playing really good football right now. I don't know if they can keep this going the entire season, but when you start to look at their schedule, Mike, They've got a, a winnable games here for a while that, that they could go a while before their next loss. They've got the Giants coming to town week five. It's a 425 p.m. Eastern kickoff. It'll be a much bigger audience than what we would have expected going into the season because the Cowboys are so much better than we expected. They go to the Patriots after that, another late afternoon game by week, and then it's Sunday Night Football week eight at the Minnesota Vikings. But a lot of winnable games dotting the remainder of the schedule, including plenty of division games still to come. That, that's what's impressive. They've gotten three yeah. wins. Only two of them, or only one of them, has been against a division rival. They've still got two against the Giants, two against Washington, one more against Philly, and other games that I think they can win. They, they may be looking at 12 and 5. Yeah. Still can't get used to that. 12 Do and 5 math. this year for the Cowboys. So the Cowboys are for real. I'm ready to say it. The Dallas Cowboys are for real. The Kansas City Chiefs are what, Shireen? I think they're who we thought they were going into the season, Mike. They, they've look, they look much better in that game. Now, I still have some big concerns about that defense. They couldn't force a punt yesterday. Um, and, and they are ranked 16th in defense, but I just don't think their defense is playing up to the expectations that they have for themselves. And I know they were missing some players. I get that. But 461 yards to the Eagles, and you play some much better offenses than you played yesterday. Yeah, and uh, look, the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs are maturing. If you listen to the last segment, and I don't know how much the full six-minute conversation got in, um, but it, it made me laugh at one point when Patrick Mahomes said that as I've gotten older, I've learned that I have to be more patient. It's like, dude, you're 26. You're not Tom Brady yet, but I remember talking to him going into his second season as a starter in 2019, and he was aware that the Patriots in the AFC Championship game 2018 had, had shown that the, the thing to do is back everybody off and force them to work their way down the field. So they're, they're working in the running game. They are being more patient, and I think Patrick Mahomes hopes that success in the running game will draw defenses closer to the line of scrimmage and allow him to have moments like he had yesterday when he found Tyreek Hill deep. The most surprising thing on Sunday was what, Shireen? Well, I'm going with the Saints, Mike. And the reason is, if you go back to that Packers game in in week one and they talk about not having the energy, and I said, if you don't have energy in week one, when are you going to have it? This was the Saints' first real home game. They played that first game against the Packers on the road in Jacksonville. It was considered a home game. They finally get to go home. You think – 
Boy, after Hurricane Ida with that crowd all juiced, they're going to come out. And I thought they were just going to roll the Giants, kind of like what they did after Hurricane Katrina. And I realized that was a longer absence and a bigger deal when they came back. But they played so good in that game and beat the Falcons. And they just weren't there. Maybe the entire being away from home a month caught up to them. But I was very surprised they didn't beat the Giants at home yesterday. To me, the biggest surprise was the Cleveland Browns holding the Minnesota Vikings to seven points. And the Vikings went right down the field, yeah. scored a touchdown to start the game, and then never scored again. And as the game went on, it became more and more obvious that the Vikings were not going to score. Now, they, they, did, they did throw a pass into the end zone. And, um, you know, I've, I've yet to do anything other than point this out on Twitter. But Coach Dungy noticed it. And uh, I think others did, too. Adam Thielen was being held in the end zone when that last gasp throw landed. Uh, So, you know, we may have another Chargers-Chiefs situation, but I I was impressed with how the Browns play defense. I think we need to be paying attention to Joe Woods as a potential head coaching candidate. Point I made with Mike Golick today, Shereen, we see every year or two a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator becomes a magnet for cameras. It happened with Robert Sala, and it helped create the groundswell. And also, he's a pretty damn good coach. But I think we need to start having the cameras find Joe Woods because Kevin Stefanski is an offensive guy, and Joe Woods' defense is playing damn well after a couple of rough games to start the season. They've held the Bears to six, the Vikings to seven in their own building. That surprised me, and I think we need to take the Browns' defense seriously. How about... Blank should be the most concerned after four games. Who is the blank? I'm going to go with the Steelers. Uh, You know, after they beat the Bills in week one, I thought, oh, my gosh, I underestimated how good the Steelers are and Big Ben's back for another year. Since then, Big Ben looks like he's on his last legs. His 78.9 passer rating, Mike, is ahead of only Brissett, Lawrence, Wilson, and Mills. Three of those guys are rookies, and one of them didn't start the season as a starter. Four touchdowns, four interceptions. This is a team you always expect to contend because they do every single year. The last time they had a losing record was 2003 when they went 6-10. and 10. They're on the road to a losing record this year, Mike. Yeah, and and look, we've seen them turn around bad seasons before. I remember in 1989, they got beat 51-0 by the Browns week one. The score against the Bengals was in the range of 48-17 week two. It was abandoned ship time for Steelers fans. Week three, the Vikings went to Pittsburgh. It was the first time I ever went to a Vikings game in person. The Steelers won that game, and the Steelers turned it around, and the Steelers made it to the final eight that year losing to the Broncos in the divisional round. So they are capable of turning it around. You never go to sleep on the Steelers, but uh, they got to turn it around soon. The Patriots are the team that I think should be the most concerned. Lost in the fact that they lost last night's game. They're 1-3, 1-3, and and they're 0-3 at home. How in the world are the Patriots 0-3 at home? They lost to the Dolphins week one. They didn't look good. They got steamrolled by the Saints. They got to get it together. Uh, and, and, And I know that... Some are saying what happened last night was a moral victory and Mac Jones showed promise. That's fine, but you got to start winning games because this thing can get away from you quickly if you don't. And one in three is not acceptable for the New England Patriots. It's a continuation of last year's disappointment. And uh, how differently we would feel about them if that kick had gone in or if they'd gone for it on fourth and three and gotten it and, and not left Tom Brady time to get down the field. But I think it's really time. Not that the Patriots are ever going to freak out. They're going to keep doing what they do. But uh, I'm taking a look at the schedule here while I say this. Their next game is at the Texans. So, uh, never mind. Two and three is coming. But then the <laughs> Cowboys come to town. And they're looking at two and four plus zero oh and four at home almost halfway through their home slate, Shereen. Tom Brady with more victories at Gillette Stadium this season than Bill Belichick. Take that. Yeah. Tua Tonga-Vailoa with more victories at Gillette Stadium this year than Bill Belichick. Take that, too. That's even worse. Let's take a break. When we return, we'll get you ready for Monday Night Football. The undefeated Raiders hosting, not really, but yes, the Chargers. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Chargers host the Raiders tonight, but it's more like the Raiders host the Chargers. The Raiders were in L.A. There are more Raiders fans in L.A. than Chargers fans or maybe even Rams fans. But the Chargers are for real, Shereen, and they've learned over the years how to basically treat every game like a road game. That soccer stadium they played in had 30,000 people, and most of the fans any given Sunday were against the Chargers. Uh, This one's fascinating to me. I picked the Raiders to win last week. I don't know how strongly I feel about it because I think the Chargers are pretty damn good. I'm just riding the Raiders until they cool off from this early season hot streak they've been on. I think I'm going to go with the Chargers tonight, Mike, but it's a fascinating game, and these two quarterbacks are playing great. And you know what? If you do your weekly MVP conversation on on our site – you got to start looking at Derek Carr pretty hard for what he's done, especially if they win this game against the Chargers. Derek Carr is on the list of finalists. Kyler Murray had been number one. I thought he would fall after this week. He has strengthened his grip at number one. Yeah. If Carr and the Raiders win tonight, then then they'll be he'll be number two this week without question because the quarterbacks of the two yes. remaining undefeated teams. And I'm a I'm I'm a firm believer in the reality that the way it shakes out. The MVP comes from one of the quarterbacks of the two top seeds. And right now the top seeds are the Cardinals and the Raiders, and the Raiders can can strengthen their early season grip on it with a win tonight. You know, it would be nice if they had Josh Jacobs back, but I don't think it's dispositive. Derek Carr's getting it done, throwing the ball around. Their defense is playing well enough. Uh, I but I but yeah, it was four days ago that we made the pick. We make our picks on Thursdays, and if I'm ever gonna wobble about a game, it's the Monday night game. I'm kinda wobbly about it, but it's too late. I took my hand off the checker. Four days ago, but I won't be surprised if the Chargers win. And, hey, maybe we'll get another great primetime game. We've been spoiled this year with great primetime games. Maybe one more is coming. The Chargers really need this game, Mike, because if they don't get it, they're sitting there at 2-2 two and two and the Raiders are 4-0, four, four and oh, and you've got to make up those games somehow. I know we've talked a lot about it's a 17-game season. There's a long way to go. I get all that, but you don't want to fall two games below the leader in your division and guess what those two losses would be at home to the Cowboys and to the Raiders who had home field advantage at your stadium and then eventually you have to go play the Raiders again in their stadium and uh yeah that's always a concern when you lose at home to a division rival and you still have to go play them again that's a problem if you have designs on winning the division and it's a critical two-game swing I mean it's either going to be both teams at three and one or one at four and zero, oh, and one at two and two. So, damn it, Shireen, I wish I'd taken the Chargers, <laughs> but I'm sticking with my pick. I'm not going to renege. That's not a renege. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm going Chargers. Enjoy the game tonight. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.